Hey everybody, welcome back. Welcome back to this episode of DOG. Now, uh, we kind of have a, uh, a special for you today because we are not drinking scotch. But we're still drinking whiskey. Yes, that's true. That's true. Uh, this time we have uh, bourbon. Bourbon, right? Bourbon. Some bourbon whiskey. Some good old Southern bourbon. Yeah, right. So we are drinking um, Knob Creek uh, bourbon whiskey. Uh, uh, what's it say on the bottle? It says uh, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, uh, small batch, age nine years, 100 proof. Now, uh, we are drinking it straight. And uh, straight, no chance. Yeah. And uh, for 100 proof, it is smooth. I'll tell you oh, right now, man. It actually, for a hundred proof, it is really smooth. So I can understand why people get drunk on some uh, bourbon all the time because this actually tastes really, really good. And I could, I could, if I didn't have to drive home after this, I could drink this bottle all night long. You really, you really could. I mean, it is. Uh, it's smooth. It's. Um, it's got. It's got multiple multiple flavors in it. You know, we'll get into that uh, once we. Uh, once we get past another uh, DOG tradition, which is oh, yes. the toast. Yeah, because we, we tend to do the toast after we start drinking, not at the beginning. Well, that's because we've been drinking, like, leading <laughs> up into, like, way before he, we hit record, well, we're, we're drinking. We're doing the, the, the pre-show prep, and then it's like, oh, well, let, let me take a sip. Let me take more sip. Another sip. You know, another sip. And then realize, oh, you know, we got a, we got a podcast to do. You know we already had, like, half this bottle, right? <laughs> 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 that's pretty much how it ends up. All right, so for today's toast is for those who've seen, it, uh, seen us at our best and seen us at our worst and couldn't tell the difference. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Oh, that tastes so good. Man, that is, that is it good. It is. This is really That's sweet. Good. It has like a... Uh, it's like a... Uh, like you could taste the casket. I don't know what would you. How would you describe that? Like a woody. Woody. Okay. Yep. Woody. Woody would be a good way. Um, it's uh, you know, it has a very big bold flavor profile. It really does. Um, on knobcreek.com, uh, we looked up uh, this particular whiskey, and it it uh, so it, it describes the color. As a copper to medium amber, uh, the taste is rich, sweet, woody, yeah, full-bodied, almost fruity, which is exactly right. Yeah. That is exactly right. Uh, like you said er- earlier, LT, it's a woody uh, and, and a little bit of sweet, which I would attribute to the the fruitier taste. But it's not. It's not like uh, like berries or anything. It's just no. that little little. Uh, little hint of sweetness at the very end. I almost would say almonds. Like, that's what well, I think. Well, that would go with the, um, the nutty, right? Yeah. Right? Does it say nutty? Rich, sweet? No, no. It does not say nutty. That is me. Uh, oh, yeah. But the aroma. Sorry, sorry. Under the aroma piece of it, it says uh, toasted nuts, grain, and oak. And the finish is long, rich, and glowing. I guess is it glowing like that warm you feel in your chest? Yeah, when you're like like drunk. Yeah, <laughs> that one. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna be glowing here pretty yeah. shortly. I got I got to put my liquor jacket on, like yeah. where you get drunk and go stand outside without a shirt. Yeah. And it's like it's 30 degrees outside. Like it's okay. I got my liquor jacket on. <laughs> that means I'm fucking drunk. Don't tell me shit. 
so interestingly enough, I actually saw a uh, actually found another website today that is um, uh, it was really interesting. It's called uh, Modern Thirst, which uh, I just found them today uh, when we were looking for more information on the Knob Creek and. They have all kinds of information on this. I'm just going to read out a little bit. Um, so as far as the uh, the appearance, the bourbon is a very dark coppery brown color. The aroma, uh, huge whiffs of aged soaked oak hit the nose right off the back. Uh, I'm sorry, right off the bat. It's like being in an oak boathouse, but caramel and maple syrup are prominent as well. And that I think that's where the sweetness comes from. Yeah. Almost fruity, but because I definitely get like a maple touch to it, which which I I mean I like. Uh, it also has the taste the taste of the front of the tongue, gets a sweet maple syrup taste immediately upon sipping this bourbon. As the flavors move across the tongue, there are definite notes of roasted sunflower seeds and tannin from the oak barrels. Which yeah, everything that you could really taste everything that's in it. I would I would probably say not sunflowers. Like I said, I think I, I get a more almond tasting to me. Maybe that's me. But I feel I feel like it's like roasted almonds, um and then coupled with that oak barrel woodiness uh with it. Yep. And then it describes the finish as a long or I'm sorry, the finish is long with the tannins remaining prominent. There is an alcohol burn that is probably stronger than the 100 proof suggests it should be, but there is also a lingering caramel sweetness along with oak on the tail end, uh, which it describes this bourbon perfectly. Um, I really enjoy it. I especially like mixing this whiskey in uh, a cocktail called the Old Fashioned. It is uh, so good in that one. I usually oh, use yeah. Knob Creek or Maker's Mark, but um, Knob Creek is definitely one of the two that I use. Maybe next week we should do some Maker's, because I'm, I'm actually, I, I'm not really a bourbon drinker, but with the bourbon I had, like, I, I think this is actually the first time I've tried Knob Creek. Uh, I usually drink, if I'm going to drink bourbon, um, I'll drink a, a Maker's Mark. But I used to drink... Uh, so I found this out. This was pretty interesting. I, I used to drink Jack Daniels uh, quite a bit. Um, I stopped. But uh, I found that like the Knob Creek was made by Jim Bean. And the thing about Jim Bean is I actually been, I've been to the Jim Bean Distillery, um, which was uh, one of the guys I went to uh, uh, school with. Uh, he was actually from uh, where the distillery is at. And on a break, he, he's like, hey, you want to come home with me? We could go by the distillery. And the distillery is in a dry county. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> it right. Is. You can't even take any home. <laughs> no, no, you can't. You could buy it there. You could buy it, like that's the only place you can buy it. So it's in a dry county, but you could go and and when they sell it, like the Jim Bean, they come into like freaking gallon bottles and stuff like that. So we took a couple back to school, and it was like, yeah, we were we were set for a while. Yeah. Uh, so you said that you went to the distillery that is in uh, Claremont, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Knob Creek is uh, produced by Beam Suntory uh, at the Jim Beam Distillery in Claremont, Kentucky. It is one of the four Jim Beam small batch bourbon brands targeted for the high-end liquor markets. Uh, its siblings in the line are Booker's, Baker's, and uh, Basil Hayden's. Which uh, I see a trend going. It's like B B B, <laughs> uh, and then you have you know Knob Creek. 
Um, so no, why, wait, why, so why did they break it with Knob Creek? It, we went with Booker's, Baker's, Basil, Hayden's, and then what's our high end? Did you say Booker's? Booker, did I say Booker's? <laughs> no, Booker's. It's, it's Booker's. Booker's, <laughs> Booker's like Booker T, son. Um, Booker's, Baker's, and Basil Hayden's, and then they're like, oh, what's our high end liquor? Uh, what are we going to call that? Oh, how about Knob Creek? <laughs> I was like, where did the fuck that come from? Well, I like it. I mean, uh, regardless of the name, it doesn't fit the B profile, but um, I like <laughs> it. You know, it's uh, it mixes really well with uh, old fashions, which uh, sooner or later we're gonna have to have. Um, we are gonna have to have some cocktails on here, and oh, I yeah. can't wait for that because I do love me some old fashions. Oh. We can just keep drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking. All right, All so right. Uh, let's move right along uh, to our first topic. So this first topic uh, uh, sort of uh, was kind of really funny to us because I, you know, the the uh, talk discussion about emotional support animals and traveling has been coming up a lot lately, uh, where one airline denied a, uh, a passenger uh, that said they could not bring their emotionally support peacock along with them. And they cited that the you know the peacock could be a danger to other passengers. It, it is a big bird, um, and you know it, it it's not it's it it can be kind of sporadic at times. So with that, uh, we move into this week. We had a uh, a college student uh, from Florida, and she is suing Spirit Airlines. And that's how you know she was a college student because if you're flying Spirit, you're probably broke. Um, cause spirit has cheap flights, but they will nickel and dime you for everything. And they, she is claiming that spirit airlines, uh, told her she couldn't bring her, mo- her emotional support hamster on the flight. So because she couldn't bring her, her hamster and she figured she had no other options to, uh, safely get the pet somewhere else or have someone get it. She decided to go to the airport and flush it down the toilet. Well, let, let's clarify a little bit there. So according to the article on uh, time.com, which I'll, I'll put down down in the description, uh, apparently she had the rodent, which is what a hamster is. It's a rodent. Uh, she brought the hamster with her um, after uh, supposedly getting pre-approval that she could bring it, um, which was later denied at the gate. Um so she says that an employee of Spirit gave her the option of you can let it go, you can put it down the toilet, you can do whatever else, but it's not coming on this plane pretty much. Um, and that's where she said, okay, well, I'll just flush down to other. So, so she made the choice to do that. Uh, upon reading the article further, uh, Spirit actually um, made accommodations for her on a later flight so that she can make... Um, arrangements for her her hamster so that she could find care and whatnot. But they definitely said that it was her choice to do this to her pet. And um, I, I have like a whole different, um, I, I feel a certain way about the emotional support um, animals, especially when it's a, a, a strange animal that you that's very difficult to have an emotional bond with. Now, cats and dogs and the very stereo, the very typical um, domesticated domesticate, domesticated uh, animals and pets that we've had for thousands and thousands of years. Uh, 
I can definitely see that. You know, it's, there's almost a symbiotic bond that that kind of takes takes place, or a, a symbiotic. Uh, 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 symbiotic. Well, it's relationship that kind of works. Yeah, definitely not cats. Cats they're, are evil. They're the, they're the rulers, right? No, we're definitely with dogs. But you have, like we said earlier, peacocks, hamsters. You know, emotional support fish or whatever. You Someone know. Someone had an emu. Yeah, it's it's things like this where it's just like, how can you actually have an emotional attachment to these kind of animals? Um, when I've never seen, you know, that that um, that kind of relationship or anything like that, and it and it strikes me as weird because just because you have that, like, doesn't mean that society and uh, and airline policies are going to conform to how you live your life. Well, so the thing with the the emotional support animals is that they're 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 being classified now um, as service dogs or like service animals, I should say. And they um, are they actually being classified, or are they just trying yeah. to no, sweep them under that umbrella? Because they're I like to to, because service animals, and I'll, and I'll specify this: service animals, especially um, the the dogs, are specifically trained and licensed, yes. essentially certified. Put a stamp on it. Yes, and they're trying to. I'm not saying that they are. I'm saying that they are trying to bring them under that umbrella as service dogs, so they get the same treatment. So, like with service animals, th- there are special accommodations. For service animals, right? but it has to be a service animal. Exactly, you know, they have to have that. Stamp. You can't, you can't say, "Oh, uh, it's my pet, and my pet is my service animal, so I can take him into this restaurant, take him into the store, and his grounds and stuff like that." They actually have to be um, certified service service animals. Um, they're trying to push those in there, um, the emotionally support animals, and in, into in this uh, under this category, so they can um, get the same privileges. The problem with that is that, you know, with, unlike, like you pointed out, unlike with the service animals, you know, dogs and stuff like that, that actually could perform tasks and they're actually trained and stuff like that, you know, these people are picking these, you know, a lot of them I've seen, you know, they pick these exotic pets to have, you know, and and they're like, yeah, this is for our emotional support. I was like, you know, I think that's just you trying to be a weirdo and be special, you know. I think that's, uh, that's Dolly taking his anteater on a walk. Right, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it's it's you want to be strange, you want to be outspoken, you want to be um, you want to be different, you want to be uh, you want to be a, have attention. That's really what it is. Yeah. It's all about attention. Look at me, I'm special. I have a peacock, and he knows my needs. It's yeah. like chick, really, really. <laughs> I mean, he would like as soon as you die, he's gonna pick out your fucking eyes. That's well, <laughs> same with cats; they're gonna eat your face. Exactly, like, like like the old like the old cat ladies with like thirty cats, and like they ate, ate her when after she died. Listen, and all that shit. listen, cat owners, uh, all cats are trying to kill you. Yeah, look in their journal. Look at them; they're all trying to kill you. They might not see it now because they're very sneaky. All right, but they're all trying to kill you. So uh, if you have a cat, watch it back. So. So to yeah. mo- to move on to the story, the um, Spirit Airlines is de- de- denying this, but I, I am more mad with her, like well, more than anything, because like even as so first of all, I don't know if she got to the gate. I don't know if it's, did she actually get to the gate or you know at some point. I'm, I'm not actually will. F- uh, I don't know. It's been clear on exactly how this all went down because there's a lot of he said she said stuff, but. To me, it is making me think that it, you know, if she showed up to the desk, booked her, got her ticket, went through TSA, got to the gate, if she'd got to that far, I think she'd have been okay. So I'm thinking it probably would have happened before that. 
Um, and I could be wrong. You yeah. know, there's so, probably yeah. So the article says that she that it was a Spirit Airlines employee that told her that. So yeah, but know. that could have been at the desk yeah. or it could have been at the gate. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. it could be either one. But the thing is, but here's my thing, right? Um, the first my first reaction hearing this story was like, was it really an emotional support animal? Was it really therapeutic for you? Because if this was your emotional support animal, if you had the choice between missing a flight and rebooking it, and you were on it's Spirit Airlines, that'd probably been an extra twenty bucks. But <laughs> but missing your flight or killing your emotionally supported and and think about how she kill she killed yeah, it. Yeah. She killed it by flushing it down the toilet. So she killed this thing by making it drown. Which right? is ho- horrible. A horrible death. Now, you're going to try to tell me that this thing was, you know, meant so much to you that you're, you're, you're doing this lawsuit that you thought the only options. Now, granted, she has emotionally support. She's obviously has some therapy, so the bitch might be crazy. But you thought the best way to deal with this thing was to flush it down the toilet? Like seriously, I'm more mad at her. Even if even if Spirit did tell her to get rid of her hamster, I'm more mad at her from doing it. That's like if you go to your, you know, me going to your dog and like, well, you know, where you come through here, you're gonna have to, you know, you have to let your dog free. You're gonna have to shoot in the head, or you know, but it's not coming this way. And you go out back and you shoot your dog in the head. I'm like, I don't think you really yeah. cared about that dog. That's a psychopath. That that is. A- Pretty much the definition of a psychopath. Well, no, meaning you that keep like doing you, it. Well, well, no, but it, it's it's the um, it's the false yeah. emotional bond that that is uh, that is advertised, right? This is my emotional support hamster. He needs to go with me wherever I go to keep me mellow, right? Mm. And it's like, but you're so willing to f- literally flush him down the toilet. Yeah, when it so becomes willingly. a burden, when, yeah, I can yeah. see that. When it comes a burden to you, you're you're like, you're just like, right. oh, cut ties. <laughs> Let him. Yeah. <laughs> And it's Hamster like, go down the hole. Yeah, and it's like a little defenseless animal. You know, it's, yeah, it's a rodent. I mean, but it's a uh, it's a defenseless little animal, yeah. and you're gonna do that. But you claim that you have this this very large emotional bond, and that you rely on. And it's on. you know therapy, and then you bring <coughs> up a lawsuit for it. And I'm like, really? Yeah, yeah. It's like let me sue you for something that I did. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what this is. She's suing her for the the, the choices that she made. Yeah. Especially when Spirit says that they gave them or gave her um, an option of a later booking, so that she can make accommodations. Yeah, that that part's like the so, kicker, right? Well, that part's been debated too. It's like some people, again, her lawyers and others are saying no, they never did that, and then of course Spirit is saying that they did. So, like I said, this right now this is a big he said she said sort of uh, incident. I'm sorry, I can't take the word of someone who flushed their ta- their hamster down the toilet. Like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like critique every syllable oh, in that. Oh, trust me. I'm on the side of spirit right now because I'm, I'm sitting there going, okay, one on one side you have Spirit Airline. On the other side you have a girl who flushed her hamster. So Larry. I think I'm going to go with I'm going to go with spirit. Yeah. And moving on because I know how much you love the hashtag me too's. <sighs> Ooh, did I go there? I went there. So uh, very recently there has been a, uh, a sexual assault uh, uh, assemblywoman is that the right is that yeah, the right term? She's a she's woman? a California assemblywoman, and uh, her name is Christina Garcia, and she's recently she's taking a uh, leave of absence um, due to sexual harassment um, accusations that have been made towards her. 
Um, the reason why this is probably this is making headlines is because early on into the Me Too movement, she was really big at, um, you know, she really supported this and she was pushing this forward. Now, my <laughs> my take on this is that generally, you know, they often say that people who 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 speak the loudest or, you know, those activists that push the loudest or, uh, for or against something are usually the ones the most guilty of it, of that transgression. Well, it's overcompensation. Yeah. Right. It's like it's like the the whole the you know thing with male feminists. You know, you you get those male feminists that are really big and they're always trying to virtue signal and they're always trying to show how woke or how you know hip and how they are. They turn out to be the rapists, the harassers, the you know stuff like that. Well, well, just just to hit on like male feminist, like I can't stand it. I can't stand it. Like because uh, nowadays, if you are a male feminist, that means you are essentially you hate yourself because feminists nowadays are essentially uh, very much the pro woman and not pro equality. Uh, and it's essentially, it just sounds more and more and more like you're just trying to fuck your best friend. Well, yeah, you're trying you know, to, you're trying to escape the friend zone. You're not willing to have some balls and like stand up and say, no, no, fuck that. Like, I'm not like this. I'm my own individual. Uh, it's, it feels like you're really trying to play almost like a tug of war kind of thing. Yeah. And it, and it's changing, it's changing the dynamics of, uh, sexual interactions between men and women. You know, it used to be. Because now where, you know, what's what was once considered flirtatious or, you know, is considered harassment. And you remember, you know, as, as we've learned over and over again in our many meetings is that, you know, her sexual harassment is unwanted sexual attention, which is fine. I mean, if someone is trying to, you know, sexually, they're coming on to you sexually and you don't want to be bothered with them there, you have all the rights and, you know, due to you to tell them to stop. Um, but that's where it should stop. Say you you say some guy or some woman keeps throwing passes at you, and you say you know, hey, I'm not feeling this. I don't want this this to continue any further. I'm just gonna you know, just I'm not interested, right? Yeah. If it stops there, and if nothing else happens after that, because we saw this with disease, yeah. Uh, you know, if uh, if it stops there and nothing else happens, you know, that's that's literally exactly how life goes. Um, but if again the the person who was throwing those passes constantly and now they're getting more and more aggressive after you told them no and you you're still you know not interested don't don't not interested don't want it don't want it please stop please stop 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 no stop well then like, that's that's that, when that's rape that's sexual assault that's sexual har- harassment well yeah and that's when that's when you know higher ups mean to be evolved but so when we talk you know but like i mean think about this a uh <laughs> what was it? I can't remember who said it, but it's like if 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 no meant no every time it was said, you know, no doesn't always mean no, depending on who you're dealing with, right? Because you know sometimes a girl or guy will sit there and you know they'll play hard again, like oh do you want to come over? You want to do this? You want to do that? And they're like oh no, and then they're like, but then they'll keep going, and then they'll keep going, and then we keep going, and then you keep going. And then to eventually, like, in a lot of times, you know, guys and girls do this, more girls than guys, as a way to show, to see exactly the test, the the interest levels of the person. You know, like, if I say, okay, no, is he going to immediately shut me off? Because I had a girl, you know, uh, did this with me. You know, she's like, oh, she said no. And I'm like, okay, you know, we won't do anything. 
you know, we'll sit there and watch. And then she looked at me funny because she was like, well, I expected you to keep trying. I'm like, well, you said no. Exactly. You and, said and no. Huge mixed signals, right? Yeah, and I was like, so you told me no, so we sat on the couch and we watched TV. We literally Netflix and chill. We didn't <laughs> go past that. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it it, 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 it goes both ways. And I'm not going to say I've done it too. I have done it too. I've done it to girls. You know, they're like, you know, oh, we, you know, get down. I'd be like, you know, it's sort of a power play. Like, nah, nah, I don't feel like but, doing but it. That, but that's the thing. And it's... um. And it's uh, and that kind of brings me back to the Aziz uh, situation that we that we talked about before, is uh, even if she said no, even the girl in your situation, the girl in Aziz's situation, or really any situation, if the girl says no, but then keeps openly allowing everything to happen without any kind any form of resistance, like did no really mean no? Right, because yeah. na- men nowadays have essentially been—I don't want to say brainwashed, but we've been trained that no means no. Once you hear that shit, you're like, you stop, you stop. You because stop nowadays you got the Me Too movement, you got all these other um, things where you can literally lose everything that you've ever had in your life. Um, just over the accusation, yeah. Oh, just over the accusation. Just you know, hey, and oh, he's a he's a rapist, or he's a sexual assaulter. And again, you know, the, the, again, that's probably where you know communications. I would I would appreciate this movement more if it actually opened up more communication between men and women. But to me, it seems like it's shutting it down because what you're going to start, what the backlash you're starting to see is uh, more men are are starting to pull away from women. They're like, you know. We don't want we don't want anything to do with them because you're just a, you're just an accusation waiting to happen. There's more women, you know. There there are women who are don't subscribe to you know some of the more hysteric, you know, uh, aspects of uh, of, the, of this modern day femi- feminism. They actually want to engage with men and you know partnership and stuff like that. And and there's guys that want that too. But with that thing, you know, you're seeing guys pull back. They don't want to deal with it. That's what leads to these, you know, that's what leads to the sex doll, the, the yeah. sex doll brothel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> guys don't like it. It's it's uh, it's easy. You don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I actually read an article um, earlier this week about um, about how um, the Me Too movement has essentially drawn a very firm line between uh, men and women in business. And uh, I mean that because they actually uh, they stated that there was a congressman or a businessman, I forget exactly, uh, who would not accept female only um, interviews. Yeah. Like like if 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 he was having a meeting or any kind of one on one, he had to have his secretary or another female in the room with him essentially to vouch for him. Yeah. Like he needed a chaperone because he could not trust the environment and the climate um that today's society that today's society has uh arisen to or dropped to well and 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 this also shows in a business um so a lot of more male managers are stopped so like you know just like in the military most business you you tend to get mentored you know to progress you know you have someone who tries to groom you to you know we always say hey groom them to take your job sort of mentality. Right. Um, what we've starting to hear is that more males are pulling away and they're not grooming, they're not mentoring females, women, because they don't want to be, they, they want to eliminate any chance of, you know, uh, of any accusations and stuff like that. And and that that's part of this, the problem because now if you want more women managers, 
you know, that's not going to happen because the people who are going to try to, you know, help them along the way to get to those levels are not going to engage with them anymore because they're going to be fa- afraid that, you know, you might hit a bad point and accuse them or something, you know, and then they lose everything. Yeah, and and that's the thing is, you know, say that there is a sexual pass, you know, um, the fact that's, that a male made a pass on a female, even if it didn't go past that, the fact that there was a pass, some kind of unwanted sexual attention, he could be demonized for that years down the line. Yeah, well... You know, he could, be, he could be accused. We've seen it before, and we talked about it before. 30 years ago, yeah. uh, you had the Atari um, founder, right? Yep. Um, you and know, he, he lost an award because... Yeah. And, and, well, he didn't, lose, he didn't lose an award because accusations made against him. They someone complained about the the climate they had at that time, and what they didn't take into account was that the women that actually worked there um, didn't have a problem with it. They're like, oh, they had their meetings in hot tubs. I was like, yeah, it's the '70s, man. Everyone was grooving. You know, you just had the sexual revolution, blah blah blah. But now today, people are looking back, judging that scene, and saying, oh, that was wrong. So you shouldn't, you don't deserve this. And I. Personally, I was actually more upset with him without telling him to go ki- kiss my ass and, you know, roll out. But let's get back to uh, Miss Christina Garcia and what she's accused of here. Yeah, so uh, I'll read a little bit of the L.A. Times article. Uh, a Los Angeles area assemblywoman has voluntarily taken leave of receipt Friday after facing allegations of sexual harassment. An unusual twist of the gender dynamics shaping the misconduct controversies engulfing California's state capital. Assemblywoman Christina Garcia, uh, D, uh, Democrat. Democrat of the Bell Gardens area, uh, denied allegations that she made inappropriate advances on two men, a then-legislative staffer and a lobbyist. In a statement, she said she would take an unpaid leave of absence from the legislature while she faces an investigation into her conduct. Uh, quote, as I've said before, any claims about sexual harassment must be taken seriously, and I believe elected officials should be held to a higher standard of accountability. The 40-year-old lawmaker now finds herself in a stark reversal of roles from vanguard of California's political hashtag MeToo movement, uh, who shared her own tales of being groped while in elected office to one of very few women to be publicly accused of sexual harassment. So now she's seen both sides of the spectrum. She was so prominent last fall that she appeared in a Time Magazine photo collage portraying the quote-unquote silence breakers as a part of its Person of the Year issue. So with this, so the accusations made against her, uh, one one of the uh, accusers saying that at a softball game, she uh, patted his, his behind, grabbed his ass, and then when he tried to walk past her, tried to grab his genital, you know, grab his crotch, um, and uh, what, I forgot what the other one said, but I think it was along the lines of... Uh, Politico also reported on an unnamed lobbyist, so the lobbyist, uh, uh, pro- uh, she propositioned him and attempted to grab his crotch at a fundraising event in 2017. So she's a crotch grabber. Yeah, so she did this last year. She probably did it. Now... And and this is kind of a, a a thing too because I've seen you know she's unmarried she's she's single she's forty years old. Um, let's be honest, forty year old women get desperate. They get desperate for attention, companionship, and stuff like that. 
So she's probably getting more, you know, she's probably tried a more aggressive approach. And we've given women a much more bigger pass on 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 their activity, on their uh, um, their actions than we do men, right? So if a woman grabs a dude's crotch and a guy, you know, complains about it, it's been instilled so long that, you know, you look at the guy and go, what are you, what are you freaking complaining about? You know, this, this girl's trying to grab your crotch. You should be happy about that. So that's allowed, you know, women, you know, women to get away with that action. If we reverse the roles, we would have, you know, outrage. So I'm, uh, you know, my, my, my perception of this right now is that she's a 40 year old unmarried woman. She's trying to hit on these, you know, these guys she find attractive she probably hasn't developed the skills to really um, approach someone and start a relationship. So she's she went to this route thinking that the guy is going to be more susceptible of it, and now it's biting her in the ass the same way it happens to guys all the time. Yeah. Well, maybe she's just a shitty person and no one wants to be with her. Well, and then and then she doesn't have the. That's the s- always a possibility, but that's <laughs> that is, but it's not always true. No, and to be honest, there's there's so. The thing, the problem is, you know, especially with more career-minded women, um, they have to work hard. They they're gonna have to work hard to get to the status that they want to be at. Um, whereas with men, so men men are men are already expected to work. You know, there is, you know, this is why you don't hear too much. Of, you hear more about sugar daddies than you do hear about, about sugar mamas. Men are expected to work. Men are suspect, expected to support themselves or and. Or and su- su- uh, support families. The man is the breadwinner. That's what we've been instilled to it. That's all you know. All we've done. When you're a woman, it you, in order to get for you to get ahead, you might you're gonna have to do more sacrifices. You might have to sacrifice family or stuff like that. So if she is trying to work and you know to get to that status, you know where she's at, she's gonna have less time at home. She's probably gonna have less time for dating. She's like you know where it's more acceptable for a man. You know he gets a woman. They're together, and he's like, hey, baby, I got to work. We're socially already engineered to think, yep, that's right. That's what you're supposed to do because a man doesn't um, – the, the people who get looked down the most are men that don't work, right? It's more easy for a homeless woman to get aid and support to get back on her feet than a homeless man because the woman is always looked at you know, as, as needing help to be protected, have to be nurtured, whereas a the man, they look at a homeless man, and you go, you need to get your ass up pull yourself up, you know, and get out there and work. So it, it's in that same vein, men, we're, we're, we're kind of seen as disposable at that point. We're out there. We work. Women, they have to be out. When they go out there and they want to pursue that same thing, they got to make more sacrifices because if you have a kid, it's going to take you out the, the workforce for some time. Which is, a, which is a choice? Which it, is a choice? It is a choice. Like It that. is a choice. But see, the, you know, but the difference is, um, when the man, when men have kids, he's going to work regardless. So the woman can stay at home, take care of the kids. He's going to go out and work. The family unit's going to go together. Um, the wife, unless both of them are working, you know, there's going to be some time where she's going to have to, she's going to have to be out of the workforce to, to, to deal with that, you know, to raise and deal with the, the birth of the kid. Yeah, well, just to recover. Yeah, just like I mean, ju- whether it's a few weeks or or months, you know, or even some European countries have you know year or two years that uh, maternity leave. Yeah, well, which I is mean, I went through that with I went that with my wife when we had our second child. She actually got uh, she was actually home um, 
for a couple of years so she can raise it. Like they would actually hold her. They actually held her job for a year, um, which is good. You know, she held it. They held her job for a year. She had the time to, you know, they gave her a uh, uh, portion of her pay for that year until she was ready to come back to work. The problem. But the problem with that now, that sounds great. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's a great thing. I say, yeah, but you also have to understand that's a year out of the workforce. Yep. You know, so while you're you're at home, yes, you have you're getting your pay, you're getting your benefits, you're at home, you're dealing dealing with your kids, you're out of the workforce for a year. So when you come back, you're a year behind of your peers. Exactly. So, you know, and that's and that's one of those things. And I was like, but that's just there's no really no solution to that. There's no solution. That's how things are, unless you want to like if you believe it's a better child rearing, you know, technique to like plop out a child, throw it to some daycare or some nanny and then go back to work. Then you're gonna end up being a shitty parents raising shitty kids. Well, even even then, I mean, um, there's still, you know, um, with pregnancy and birth and everything, you still have to recover. You still have to take time to take care of yourself and take care of the the um, the infant inside you, the baby inside you. Uh, But until we start getting to test tube babies. You know, and when we really want test tube babies, like think about you that. You know how convenient that would be. It's convenient. It'd be but like it'd be like going to In and Out Burger and getting exactly what you want. Yeah, but see, one of the things about having you know your nat- natural birth is that you know, and you hear it all the time, women get attached to the child while they're still inside of them. Yeah, but now we could be true so- uh, psycho and sociopaths to where we're like, I don't like the way his hair is, and you just fucking cut him off. Boom, done. <laughs> like no emotional attachment. You just break the <laughs> test tube and then you start over. Right, you just go back to the computer and start, you know, this kid blonde looks hair, like a bitch. blue eyes. Yeah, you know? <laughs> you're out of here. I don't like the way his fucking chin is. This is look, bullshit. Look at, look at this motherfucker. <laughs> you're fucking done. Yeah. You're done. Exactly. <laughs> no, nah, but it's it's. I, I know. I, I don't know. If if the the problem with the, that is that we never want to get. We don't want to move too far where we're not, you know, connected as a species and and to our offspring. And that's that's one of the problems. So, so this woman has, you know, she she probably had. I don't know her, so these are all speculations. I'm not gonna sit there and like, you know, we hung out. I don't know her. I was like, to me, this seems like, uh, based off of other other uh, women I know in similar situations, and there's nothing bad about them. These are actually really good women, but I seen what they had to go through to get where they're at, and and to them, they had to make some sacrifices. So now. Here they are, they're in their, you know, a lot of them are in their uh, late 30s, early 40s, and they are looking for companionship. They're looking for, you know, someone to be with, and they're not, <laughs> they may not be as uh, socially, uh, how do you say? The dating scene. Yeah, they might. Getting into the dating scene. Right. You know, because, I mean, think about, look at the dating scene right now, right? It's all based off of hookup culture. Like, you got Tinder, Bumble, Grinder, um, some other shit, I don't know. Was I mean, it Plenty of Fish? Plenty of Fish or something like that. Things like that where, you know, you generally look at someone, you slip, you know, swipe uh, swipe left, swipe right, and you basically get hookups. And, and you know, talking to one of my friends, she's, she's, she started her own blog because she's... Um, She's talking about like all the the conversations she has and these hookups she has, you know, based off Tim, you know, these these dates, and she's kind of disheartened. But I was like, I was asking, I was like, well, is that because our dating scene has changed so much? You know, it's like before you you meet someone, you you go talk to them, you ask for their number. If she gives you the right number, you call her up, you set up a date, you know, you go pick her up, you try to peacock, you know, show it, you put on your your best show. 
you know, you have a date, you get to know each other, and then the, the relationship, you know, starts to go or doesn't from there. Well, there's there's no courting anymore. Yeah, there's it's, no it's, courting. There's no courtship. It, all it is is like, you know, it's, uh, it is, uh, hey, you want to fuck? Yeah. You want to fuck? Hey, you look good. Do you got a boyfriend? Oh, you're on Tinder. Okay, let you want to meet? Yeah, let's fuck. You right. know, and this that's goes so I have a lot of uh, younger friends too that are they're in their like, you know, late late twenties and early thirties. And it's like I I I I listen to them because I'm I'm getting old and I really don't have to deal with that shit anymore. But I listen to them, they're like, Yeah, man, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I met this girl I smashed. And I'm like, Really? How long you know? It's like, Oh, I just met her, you know, I met her on Tinder and you know, we hooked up and smashed, and I was like, oh, wow, that's a lot different from when I grew up, you know, and, and you had things like that, and and it's, it's so funny how you see, like, you know, it's just constant hookup, constantly, you know, there's no courtship, boom, 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 and you, you deal with these, and, and now, you know, they're, they're, they're not looking for marriage or long-term relationships anymore, and that's because they're young, but I'm, I'm guessing when they get older, they're going to be wanting these things, and it's going to be harder for them to harder to come by. Well, I, th- I think that's just biological, though. You know, because you always hear, "Oh, your biological talks, your 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 clock is ticking, your clock is ticking." And I think that's just um, like a you know uh, a programmed biological response. You know, um, yeah. unless they are so heavily invested and focused on career that they're willing to forego any kind of other relationships. Which you have those kind of women, you have those kind of men. Um, you know, I think that it's always going to be a uh, thing now uh, now back to uh the uh the co- the assembly woman i keep wanting to call her congresswoman but she's the she's, she's an assembly a woman um i really want to um i really want to see where this goes because she was a a big a big uh proponent of the um hashtag me too movements and now she's like oh well i'm getting accused so well, let's see how this turns out but um I guarantee that she's not going to be receiving the same amount of criticism that a male would get. No, definitely um, not. And, and 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 that's uh, especially with this kind of uh, current. Um, and is culture, she gonna? It's just um, she's probably gonna get the benefit of of you know hate to say it, I will not don't hate to say it is a due process. You know, our, we're gonna we're gonna do an investigation. We're gonna see where it leads. You know, we're gonna see if these claims are founded or unfounded. Now, we've seen of late that a lot of times that, you know, the accusations don't even get to that point and they're automatically gone. You know, the per- the person resigns or whatever because there's such a an out, out, outcry to have that person removed. You know, like, you know, you, you could look at Franklin now. Do I think everything that Franklin did was like, you know, so bad that he needed to resign? Like, no, the dude was a comedian. He was a goofball. He's goofing off. You know, and doing his things. You know, that should he give tank his political career for that? Fuck no. Especially something that happened ten years ago. No, he should not. Uh, that's how I feel. And now I'm going to see how this goes. I'm going to keep, definitely keep an eye on that because if she, I, I bet she, there's going to be more cries or out cries for due process and examining and investigating allegations before we we go to the you know public. Uh, uh, lynch mobs than it was was a male, so oh yeah, I mean it's males are going to be persecuted much more differently than than females in that regard. So a thing that we gotta keep keep in mind is that nobody exists in a vacuum. So when we talk about the Me Too movement, these accusations that are coming up, and you know 
are being thrown around. We got to understand about the, you know, the, the ripple effects and what's happening. And, and one of the things, one of the effects we're having right now is that um, one of Rose McGowan's uh, former managers, um, she she took her own life because she was caught up in this uh, whole movement or these accusations and battle between Rose McGowan and Harvey Weinstein. And we, at, you know, this is a woman who, she was there, she had nothing to do with the incident or anything like that, but because she's been pulled into this incident and the pressure and the, and the, the media fervor that was going on with it, you know, was too much for her, you know, coupled with her own uh, issues she was struggling with, she decided to end her own life. So I said, so this is a cautionary tale that we we need to understand that when these these movements are going, you don't push too hard too fast because what's going to happen is, you know, you're going to have innocent people in the wake. And for a movement that, that prides itself to be about women and empowering women to move forward, it caused a woman to kill herself. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, you, can't, you can't really... I feel like with this Me Too movement, uh, there is um, there are no winners. There's no winners. Like in reality, there's no winners. It, it's the the there uh, could be there could be winners. There could be winners, and when I say that is because it will give uh, more. It's gonna. It should. This is what 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 should come out of the Me Too movement is that we should have be able to have honest, frank discussions between men and women about how we interact. Okay, where. We can definitely delineate between, you know, sexual harassment, uh, fr- flirtation, you know, stuff like that, you know, and, and dealing with our sexual uh, relationships, uh, what we're what we're not getting at. And we have to be careful. So it can we can't have a winner. We can have we can out more people who are predatory and take advantage and her- and actually hurting people. But in all that, too, we should also strive for a better understanding about how the both uh, you notice I said both, not 52, both uh, genders <laughs> relate to each other. Yeah, because I don't believe in that <laughs> bullshit. Both genders relate to each other, um, you know, in our in our daily relationships and, and also going into those sexual and intimate relationships. We should have conversations about consent. We should have conversations about, you know, sexual harassment and inappropriate uh, sex, um, uh, sexual misconduct. We, we Those are the things we do want to eliminate from this world. But it should not be in the cost of that we we have a pushback. The women should women understand. Y'all need to understand. You have to respect men. If you want us to respect you, you have to respect us, and you have to understand us because there's always been this pushback. Men have to understand women. Bitch, we're out there fucking working. We're out there doing a lot of shit. You also have to understand us. And unless we can sit down and have conversation where it's not you know where we can try to come to an understanding with each other and how we deal with each other we're we're you know we're not gonna it's just gonna make things worse so the only way to get the win out of the me too movement is if it leads to a conversation about frank and honest conversation about how men and women interact uh honestly and women gotta understand don't play these fucking mind games don't play these fucking you know shit and understand that yeah men men want pussy women want dick or another pussy or whatever People want sexual interaction, and in order to get that, we just got to be able to talk to each other. We got to communicate. I mean, that's. I feel like that's. Uh, that should be the goal, but I feel like it is very. Uh, that's like very far in the making kind yeah. of thing. You know, you have. Um, 
you have this kind of a f- culture and climate right now to where um, men and women are all afraid to uh, to interact with each other because of yeah. accusations and people that have nothing to do with these incidents are getting caught in the crossfire and, and like I we've seen with this uh with jill messick you know she committed suicide which is horrible you know like that is that isn't that is an abhorrent thing you know she had a family she had friends yeah and, and she's uh, gone yeah and and this put her to the point that she um that she took her own life and, it, and it, there's really no there, obviously there's no way to get that back True. You know, there's no way to get that back. No, see, it is starting to be a downer. <laughs> it is. I mean, well, you have to have a downer to enjoy the ups, you know. Well, let's go to the ups. Cause let's go to the fun. ups. Okay. So for the ups, we're going to get to I'm, I'm going to end this podcast on a high note. Uh, did you get a chance to see the Venom trailer? I have, yeah. yeah. We oh. definitely uh, made time to watch it before the uh, we started recording yeah. because I'm, like, way behind the times. And I you, need to watch to, it. you need to, you need to get, catch up because... Uh, other than so, you know, my two big movies um, wait from one to see this year is of course Black Panther, and um, uh, Avengers: Infinity War. But out outside of that is Venom. So the thing with Venom is Venom Venom has been a fan favorite for a long time, and like a lot of people don't realize how old that character is. Like think about it, Venom is what he came out in the mid eighties, or no 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 late eighties. So he's he's definitely about like he's over thirty years old, and he's had a big impact on the Marvel universe. Uh, and to the the problem was Spider Man three did a disservice for him, you know. Well, who who played the character? Wasn't it like Topher Grace? Topher Grace from that seventy show. Yeah, and it was like I don't like just the. He's not the imposing figure that you sh- he should have been and no, in that and, regard. And they so one of the reasons why I'm I'm happy that uh um uh, Tom Hardy is playing him is that he is a, a imposing. Have you ever seen that dude? Is yeah, he's jacked. He's jacked, and it's like yeah. you make you know he's not blonde like you know Eddie Brock, but you know you can see the, the one of the things about the, the 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 Venom symbiote and you know what Eddie Brock is that it inf- it amplifies you know your characteristics so the thing with Venom or at least it used to be you know they always change things stats in the comics is that if how strong you are the symbiote amplify that even more so like you know for instance when you know if if Eddie Brock went to go work out and he got buff and he got stronger Venom got stronger you know, sort of like that. It was a, it was a symbiotic relationship. Oh, oh it was a symbiote. Oh, wow. So I was really, really uh, liked that trailer, and 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 it and, and it showed uh, the uh, two. You know, so a lot of the Marvel universe, and you know, going around here to cinematic universe, and even though I know this is made by Sony and not by uh, Disney, they do take a lot of elements from the uh, the Ultimate Universe. And I'm starting to. I did notice that some of that in the trailer, but I also noticed that a lot of uh, connection to a uh, one Venom's first solo series, which was called Lethal Protector, when he was in San Francisco, and the movie takes place in San Francisco. Um, so they are. It looks like they are keeping with the alien origins of the uh, the symbiote, because it shows that you know they're they they're. It looks like what it is a, cra- a ship crashed on Earth and they they get a symbiote. But I don't know if you notice it. Did you notice that there was more than one symbiote? No, I didn't. I didn't get that. Where'd yeah. you see that part at? When he's okay, so when he's opening up the door and it's panning over, 
the the canisters where the symbiote was. Mm-hmm. There's one before it. Carnage. It could you be. You think carnage. it's Carnage? I th- I hope it's Carnage. Oh man. But see, that kind of changes things because Carnage is actually a spawn of of Venom. Mm-hmm. But so if you if you go through the lethal protect uh, lethal protector, uh, one of the things that ha- that came out of that series was actually more symbiotes. Um, do I say that weird symbiotes? Symbiotes, symbiotes, symbiotes. Syllables. Uh, syllables. I don't know. It's like cool whip. <laughs> cool whip. Cool whip. <laughs> Why are you pronouncing the H? <laughs> so there's there there's uh there was uh, five symbiotes that uh came out of that. So I don't know if they go with a carnage route. That's great because <laughs> carnage. Um, but then that makes me wonder, like, who would play carnage? Because in the comics, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sure you will. Wasn't the uh, the person who played Carnage like? Wasn't they like? Uh, I don't know the name. Wasn't he already it's like? Cletus a, Cassidy. He was a serial. He was a serial, serial killer. killer. Yeah. So he was already fucked up. Yeah. He was already like wanting so to kill people. Mark Bagley um, is is responsible for bringing Carnage into the fray. And uh, I remember I was, um, as a kid, like how he introduced Carnage. Like how you saw Carnage as a you know a huge threat is that Carnage killed everybody. Everybody. Everybody, and his introduction was that he actually, Cleus Cashley, once he got to the symbiote, um, he actually went into a family's house, and you know, th- this is reported in the comics, or like all oh, these people were killed, and you're like, Yeah, mom, dad, kids, and a baby, and they're like, Yeah, Shit. <laughs> Cletus Cassidy kills everybody. everybody, not just the men. Hide your kids, hide your wife, hide your baby coming. too, because Carnage is killing yeah. everyone. So if they do, you know, the thing about Carnage is he's 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 actually psychotic. He is he wants to, hence the name. He so, wants to kill people. Yeah. So also in the comics, um, Venom and Spider Man also had to. And I'm phrasing this as a question. They had to. Um, uh, essentially create an alliance to to defeat Carnage, right? Yes. So like he's that badass that mm-hmm. uh, like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Is my friend. Yeah. So the thing about Carnage and so I, I you can't really divorce if they take more of the uh, ultimate line uh, ultimate material for this movie. Venom doesn't have Venom was uh, created on Earth. There's no alien origins to the uh, symbiote, and he was actually created as a uh, as a form, as a way to cure cancer, right? And it looks like they're going with the cancer route in the movie. Um, so in the in the Ultimate comics, Venom was was you know the symbiote. The idea was that if you have this organism, he you would in bond it with the human, and the organism would go and kill the cancer cells and stuff like that. But it grew and then eventually tried to take over the host organism, and thus Venom was born. Um, and it looks like they're going to take that part. So there's no connection with Spider-Man in that sense. Um, but the thing that makes Venom cool is the connection with Spider-Man. Uh, because of the bonding that he had with Spider-Man, Venom has uh, several advantages over Spider-Man. Like, one, he doesn't, like, uh, Spider-Man's Spider-Sense warns him of danger. Right? But, but not Venom. Right. Venom or Carnage. Yeah. Uh, Venom or Carnage, they do not set off his spider sense. So they have that. Um, and they're strong. They're stronger than Spider-Man. Venom is stronger than Spider-Man. Uh, Venom, uh, so, and Venom's webbing, 
Uh, and I don't know if they're going to do that. I don't know. So if they do Ultimates, they're going to do the tendrils because Ultimate Venom, he didn't have, like, the webbing because uh, the webbing was used to mimic. Sp- Spider-Man used that to mimic his webbing when he had the suit. Um, and then that carried over the Venom. And the Ultimate line, the ultimate Venom, Venom uses just used, like, black tendrils from his, you know, of the, of the symbiote. Mm-hmm. But if they go the webbing route, so the difference between the webbing uh, with that is that when um, – Whereas Peter Parker did not produce webbing. I know they've changed this back and forth in Marvel, but originally Peter Parker had to have web fluid and all that. Venom never runs out of webbing. It's, you know, he it's constantly part of its part. It's, his webbing is literally part of his suit, of the symbiote, and it's constantly regenerating. So mm-hmm. he, there's a, you know, he has essentially a, a never-ending supply of webbing. Um, and Well, in the early... Uh the uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, it was organic. Yeah. And then now on the new Homecoming, it was back to chemistry. To, to chemistry. And, and the reason, because at the time when the when the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans were being done, is that they were going to this um, more organic type Spider-Man. So he had this, like, because he was like, oh, you're the totem of a spider god. Or, like, it was this crazy thing. It was called the Others. Where you know other people could actually were like spider totems before, so like Spider Man developed organic webbing. He he he, he uh, developed venom. Was that where he started like actually tur- turning into a spider? Um, no, actually that's happened several times through the comics. Um, okay, but in the others, um, they did explore that. You know, you know his his DNA being changed where it could be more arachnid like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was like, you know, again, that was one of the things like he developed a stinger that had venom so he could paralyze people and stuff like that. And a lot of people were like, yeah, no, they didn't really buy that. So they sort of pulled back from that because the whole part of the spider webbing and, you know, the web flu and all that was to show the genius of Peter Parker, you know, to show that, hey, he's a really smart kid. And he developed all this stuff to go with the spider persona. Now, if you make everything organic, that takes away like you know, it takes away that that idea that he's supposed to be really smart. Mm-hmm. He's more of a victim of circumstance at that yes, point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so let's get back on to Venom, though, because uh, for first, uh, I think we already hit on this the uh, the uh, Tom Hardy as being played by or playing Venom. I think it's a f- fantastic uh, casting. Good I think it's. Good uh, uh, I, I I can't wait to see it. Um, do you think that uh, Venom will make its way into the MCU, much like uh, Spider-Man has? So, yes, I, I actually really, really do because um, even though Sony is, uh, in you know, others are going to try to keep a lot of these licenses, they know how to make money, and money is is with the mouse right now. The House of Mouse is ruling everything. You got Star Wars. You got Marvel. You know, Marvel just bought all the properties back from Fox, so you know you're gonna get the X Men movies. M- the mouse knows how to make money, and I think they're doing this movie. Honestly, I think they're doing this movie so they can keep rights. They can keep control of rights, mm-hmm. and then that way, uh, rights to the character, so that way they can go into negotiation with uh, Disney and get some of that profit. So it's like, hey, we're gonna allow you to have Venom for your next Spider Man movie. Um, but we've but, already seen that it does X amount of dollars, so he's this popular, and we're going to demand this much money. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's what I think that's going to happen with that, but I, I think it's going to happen. Um, so I really, really hope this uh, this movie does well. 
because uh, Venom, Venom, like Venom is up there with like Punisher with uh, fan favorites because he's an anti-hero. You know what I'm saying? Like he's yeah, not Venom. Yeah. Venom's not really a vent of villains per se. Like Eddie Brock never had. He he didn't want to take over the world. He didn't want to you know. He didn't do all these things. He just hated Spider Man for ruining his life. It, right, you know, and then he went on a crusade. Yeah, but like so, if they go through the lethal, so the Venom lethal protector was Eddie Brock moving to uh, San Francisco and basically setting up as a way, you know, basically being that the hero there. The, the difference between him and Spider Man was that he would kill people. Yeah, you know, if you were dangerous, he'd eliminate you. Much like the Punisher, the Punisher doesn't have a rogues gallery per se because he will kill you. There's because everyone's dead. Yeah, that's why. Very, you know, think <laughs> it's about called it. a cemetery. That's his. Yeah, think about Punisher's en- enemies. He doesn't have many of them. You can name a list of Spider-Man, Captain America, Dead, uh, Deadpool, but you know, well, they've literally Daredevil. done a comic series where Deadpool kills everybody. Oh yeah, Deadpool. everybody. Deadpool kills the Marvel yeah. universe. But um, yeah. so, uh, so I've talked about uh, villain. I'm sorry, uh, Venom being a antihero. Um, I speaking of antiheroes, the uh, my favorite antihero uh, currently is Riddick, right? Uh, Feel it. Yeah. Well, because he was so he wasn't a um, he was the ma- the main protagonist, much like Venom is. But then also he is, uh, he was only out for himself. Like in Pitch Black with Riddick, he was only out for himself. He wasn't really out to kill anybody unless you did. They did him wrong. But he wasn't the the stoic hero out to save the world type thing, which I think is uh, like that 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 dynamic and that kind of character development really, uh, it it, it really re- I don't want to say resonates, but it really creates more of a. Um, more of an organic feel. Yeah. Like, well, like this isn't just the, the character that's propped up on these false morals or whatever, and he feels like he has to do this because he thinks it's right. It's like, no, this is a guy who's been through, like, real hardship and has become, like, hugely pessimistic, and now he just doesn't give a shit about, you know, things, and he's just trying to live his life. And then he gets, hit, you know, like, in the can- in uh, the trailer, what, what we talked about just a minute ago, is he thinks that, like, Venom thinks that, uh, or, sorry, uh, Eric Brock, Eddie Brock. Brock, Eddie Brock. Fuck, man, drinking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know he's uh got uh he's got cancer from what we think about this, and he develops the Venom uh symbiote, and he's just off to go like they survive, like, even, survive, and like you know even the scoreboard kind of thing. Yeah, we'll see. So the thing with Riddick, I mean, I do, I love it. I love Pitchback, and I loved Riddick. I don't know what the fuck happened with Dark Chronicles. That that. Oh, that I actually like that one. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I because it. I liked That's how it, I like how it, uh, it actually had an enemy on that instead of just like, um, like in Pitch Black, there was just the, uh, like the hammerhead uh, aliens. Yeah, but I love that about it. I thought that was good as an intro because it allowed all the development on Vin Diesel's side or on Riddick's side, because uh, you didn't have to develop a a protect or an antagonist. Right, I mean, except within the party, which we had. Um, yeah, you had different yeah. antagonists of yeah. the, you know, you know, like with, the, yeah, know, the the bounty hunter and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But now, so the second one to me is that so, because Pitch Black was presented more of like a sci-fi horror. Yep. Whereas the second one was more of a sci-fi adventure, I would say, or yeah. sci-fi action, and so. 
that was I mean that's not bad because the third one is like that too because the third one's not really a horror movie but the it just seemed like they were trying to expand this universe and it was like okay you're starting to put these elements out there that I don't think the people were ready for because like you went from sci-fi horror to this sci-fi fantasy you know with the necromancer uh, necromongers and stuff mm-hmm. like that and I was like okay I think that was a big shift for it but I think Riddick, the reason why Riddick uh, was more well-received is because you went back to, you know, showing Riddick as Riddick, a survivor. Yeah, he was a badass. Yeah. But, um, so, in the movies, yeah, like, if you just watch the movies, there probably wasn't as much, um, I don't want to say development, but storyline development. Well, I as play far as the universe from goes, Butcher's Bay. yeah. Once you start looking at the uh, the the animated one and the uh, yeah, the Dark game, Fury, yeah. yeah, I mean those definitely tie into that. But I did like how they actually created an entire almost universe. civilization yeah. that was you know conquering everybody, and then they tied in his past to that, and then it ma- it became almost a revenge flick. Um, yeah. But uh no I mean I mean I I hope that um uh Venom kind of gets that same treatment yeah. right as an anti-hero like he's not out to win your fucking hearts right no, he's, right? he's and, out and, to survive exactly and that's and that's where that's where people like because it, it feels more authentic yeah. even though you have a symbiote and from another world true true <laughs> yeah but before we get to Venom though I'm definitely looking forward so next week uh, I got tickets I got everything I am ready for Black Panther now I will say this, and this is gonna be my little my little rant about Black Panther, and I and I post this, and other people's heard this before, um, and I'm 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 talking, I'm not talking to anyone else, I'm gonna talk to my my fellow black people, because some people, may uh, amazingly enough, some people think that I'm not black, bitches, I'm black, fuck your ass. Anyway, um, my fellow black people, uh, don't ruin this movie, do not ruin this movie. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because it is not your movie. This is our movie. And what I mean by our movie, I mean that this is a movie because of the black nerds out there. This is a shout out to all black nerds. And I'm going to tell you why we got to make this distinction. You know, you, 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 you shut your face right now. I'm going to rant. I'm going to make this <laughs> distinction right now because I'm telling you what, growing up as a black nerd is a very hard to do in a black community, Okay. I freaking, you know, when it came to comic books and stuff like that, um, you know, you're always considered lame. You know, people didn't think that you, you know, they they, they looked down upon that shit. And thankfully for me, I was always a big, I was, I was always a BBM, a big black man. So I didn't have to deal with as much because I'd fuck your ass up. But I saw what my fellow black nerds went through and it was it was uh, terrible because they were, they were kind of ostracized by the black community. And... The reason why we say this is because the reason why you have Black Panther, the reason why you have these movies is because you have black nerds out there that were buying comics, reading comics and stuff like that, helping to keep this industry going. Because a lot of people don't understand the comics industry almost went away. Marvel almost tanked in the 90s. All right. That's one of the reasons why it got bought by Disney today. Uh, It was doing bad. But there is, you know, there were people out there supporting it. So when I say this is our movie, this is our movie. Do not fuck this up. Now I'm not saying I'm. You know you can enjoy this 
You can you can get I'm happy you get on the bandwagon. But don't sit there and act like y'all were Black Panther fans the whole time. Most of y'all motherfuckers didn't know who T'Challa was until a couple of years ago. Some of y'all motherfuckers thought Wakanda was a real motherfucking place. I had to tell people there was a fucking TV series before this. Y'all didn't even know that. And it was on BET. All right? So y'all need to sit back, enjoy this movie. And by all means, enjoy this movie because I think this is going to be off the chain. I don't care. I want you to dress up nice. If you want to dress up like you're going to Wakanda, I encourage that because I'm telling you right now, I'm dressing up. All right? I'm showing out. But don't sit there and, you know, the things that's pissing me off about this shit is I'm seeing my fellow black people are talking about white people. Y'all need to sit back. Dude, we're going to have an all-black show on a Black Panther. No, no, no. Motherfuckers, y'all understand that it was two white men that made this character, that made this happen. It's a white production company that made this happen. I'm not saying that, you know, you should not be proud of your blackness. By all means, be proud of your blackness. But don't sit there and, and ostracize another race for something you did not create. This is a great thing to happen. I'm glad it is here, but don't fucking make it ruin it for the rest of us. So go out there, get on the bandwagon, all right, because I'm driving this motherfucking train, but don't fuck this up because I will find you. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I really want to enjoy it. I mean, this movie's for me, too. It's for me, too. <laughs> I really want to. I waited for something from the MCU. And, uh, but no, seriously. I mean, I've seen, um, I've seen you know several different posts, you know, on Reddit, on all these other. Yeah, uh, I've seen those uh, through, too. In my Facebook feed, that's like. Time. I mean, because it's it's uh, uh, it's quite literally, you know, you you're taking pride into something that um is meant for everybody, which is great. You know, take pride in it, but don't try to like you said, don't try to ostracize or, or uh essentially almost demonize, you know, white people for that because that's it's it's really disingenuous. Well, I mean, so I saw one and, and now to be put totally honest and to be put totally fair, a lot of this so-called quote unquote negative backlash be, uh, of the Black Panther, a lot of it's a hoax. It's a lot of people going, "Hey, let's see how well we can throw fake shit we could throw out there and see what we get people riled up on." But I did have to run into one where this dumb motherfucker had to sit there and go, why you always got to have white people? This is supposed to be our movie, and they got white people. They got this old white man in this movie. And I'm like, Stanley. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, I was like, dude, that's Stan Lee. And he's like, I don't care, that white dude. I was like, motherfucker, he created the Back Panther. He created everything. I was like, everything. I said, this whole thing. I said, that's Stan the Man Lee. He created this. Right, and then another motherfucker was like, "Why he always got a white mentor? Why is that dude? Because he ha- it has a goddamn what's his name, Frodo Baggin, uh, not Frodo, oh, uh, Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman. He's yeah. in the movie, yeah. right? He he's you know, and I was like, I was telling him, I was like, D- do do you even read Black Panther comics? Did you ever read it? I say because I'm letting you know, the character you're complaining about has been around for over 20 years, and oh by the way, he was created by a black man, Christopher Priest, put him in there. I said so. What are you really complaining about? I said, this is why I say hashtag fake fans. Don't get me wrong. I'm very stoked that people are getting excited about this movie. I'm very stoked that people are, you know, uh, are feeling bold and empowered by this. Because I do. I, I'm, I'm a huge Captain America fan. Everyone knows me, knows that. I'm a fucking huge Captain America fan. I always have been. always will be. I'll hit you in the face with a fucking goddamn shield. Better recognize. 
But so I'm always on board with people coming into comics and and you know supporting these things. The shit, same shit that the same things that you know people used to give me shit about growing up for liking. I'm glad that you guys are finally coming around. All being, yeah, let's good, let's get a road. But don't act like, don't sit there and try to act like you knew all about it. Or you were fans all along, you know, and shit like that. As like, you know, a lot of people try to press me. They're like, oh, you know, oh, I know this about Black Panther. I was like. Nigga, I'll tell you one. I'll tell you one thing that that showed me that people don't listen, read Black Panther. Uh, a couple of days ago, Marvel uh, put out the Wakandan family tree, right? And it showed how everybody is related to Black Panther. How you become a Black Panther because you don't inherit the title; you have to go through trials for it. And they were there were some that were upset. They're like, "Why is there a white guy on a tree?" And I was like, "You mean Hunter? Oh, that's his brother." Uh, don't no. don't don't. Now anyone who's read Black Panther for a while would know that Hunter was his adopted brother. His father adopted Hunter um and actually ran the uh Wakandan so-called secret police. Now when T'Challa took over as the Black Panther, he said you guys are too brutal. You're not going to I don't need you guys anymore cuz this is not how Wakanda's going to be. And they're like, fuck it, we some badass motherfuckers. We're gonna go out and make money as mercenaries. I said, so y'all don't even know about T'Challa's uh, adopted brother. Don't come at me with you know trying to act like you so woke on Black Panther. But that's another thing is you know you have to realize that this is a movie with uh, where where to be honest, race shouldn't be really an issue. Yeah, it talks about Wakanda being an African country. And it's, it's all and black actually, cast. Yeah, I get it. Which I get it. It makes sense. But don't get mad when you have people in supporting roles that are not black. It just doesn't make sense. It's like it seems really um, like it's a hugely disingenuous argument because it shows that you don't know what you're talking about as as to the comic book origins. Right. You don't know the lore. But then also you don't even have that um, that 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 hashtag equality shit. Right. It doesn't swing this way. You know, it's like no, this is an all black movie. Go fuck your go fuck yeah, yourself. And it's and it's it's funny because you know, and this is why I tell people this day and age is so disingenuous with the with relations. You know, you hear stupid shit like, "Oh man," you know, people writing articles. Black Panther is going to be the first black uh, first That's blockbuster. Wrong. That's with, wrong. With a black superhero front series, I was like, "Motherfucker, That's you wrong. had three Blade movies. Oh, you didn't know Blade was a Marvel character that's been around since the seventies. Oh it's- wait, you had Steel." You had Steel before that. With, with Steel. Shaq. Oh, actually, we, we shouldn't talk about Steel. Uh, it's, he's, he's, but, there. he's there. He's there. But it's what there. did we have before Steel? <gasps> what did we have before Steel? Oh, man. What was that movie? with uh, What's that dude's name? Black dude. He played Tyson. and uh, Oh, yeah. Spawn. <gasps> oh, oh, my God. Michael J. White? Michael J. He's already J. a badass anyway? Yeah. And that was, was actually right. a pretty good movie, too. It was. Spawn was a good movie. A lot of people didn't know that one, A, and this is what I'm talking about when they... When I was coming up and all that, and you know, being a comic, a black comic nerd, motherfuckers didn't know who Spawn was. They didn't know that you know Spawn one Spawn was a black superhero. A lot of people don't even still don't you know when I talk about Spawn, people are like, well, we mean Spawn because you see him in a costume, and they're like, yeah. I was like, yeah, he's black. But Spawn well, is like originally it wasn't like a, a race swap or anything. No, he was always black. Spawn has always been a black superhero. Uh, and he was very popular, especially in the early '90s. You know, made by Todd McFarlane, yep. white guy. And you yep. know who? Else, wait, you know who else Todd McFarlane created? Who? We just talked about him. Steel? No. Uh, we only 
really talked about. I know. Did you? Who did you make? You made Venom. Venom. Yeah, that's right. That makes sense now. Good eyes. But I mean, you have, and it's it's it's, it 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 kills me the amount of like um, the like uh, how and I keep using this word disingenuous because it's it really shows how um, how equality works in this environment. Is, and, uh, and you have so equal. I, I think people don't really understand what a, an a equal or egalitarian equa- a society should look like. An egalitarian sh- uh, society should not be an us versus them mentality, and that's exactly what we're. It has been fostered yeah. more and more. But well, that's where well, we're it's, at right well, now. it's like that with race relations, and it's like that with like the hashtag Me Too movement between men and women as a whole. Yeah. I mean, you know, to be a. a to be a white male right now, like you're in the double negative. Like you're getting it from like all sides, well, like from women and from other races. I know that's why I'm here because you know I'm I'm here to to stab me. It's okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> Rule <laughs> number nine. <laughs> that's right. That's why I'm here. You know, there's, there's only there's only a finite reason why I tolerate you because you're a cis white male. Yeah. Because I give um, you that privilege. Why is that knife in your hand? It's always in my hand. <laughs> That's why I got my knife. Oh man. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now to for the for the uh listening public, uh yes, we do have knives in hands, but to be fair, I'm the reason why he carries a knife because I yes. always carry a knife. Yes. And I always threaten to stab people. Yeah. So I had to get my own so we could sort fight. Yeah. Well, or knife fight, really. Yeah, knife but fight like though. in the Michael Jackson bad movie or <laughs> video, like you know, we go out for like dinner, but before we pay for the check, like we have the waiter like tie our wrists together, and yeah. then we like then flip we out the knives, and see and, who uh, see who pays. Yeah, no, I, but the, the you I know, got a lot of stitches. <laughs> <laughs> they going back to the, no, wrong. I I'm I'm very 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 stoked for this movie. I'm very I'm very happy to see it, and and I do love, you know, that the fact that this is being made. But I'm like. At the same time, understand Black Panther is for everybody. Every Marvel movie, every Disney movie is for everybody. Remember, the, you know, and, and I'm, I'm saying this to the people, you know, uh, who are who are trying to slag off white people or any other race from going to see movies. Because I was also against when they did the Wonder Woman movie. And they're like, we're gonna have a female only. Um, yeah. As like female only viewing, like bitch, a man created Wonder Wonder Woman. <laughs> Like you didn't make you didn't make Wonder Woman. A man did it. I was like, so why are you gonna sit there and like men cannot come to this viewing? I'm like, I'm the same thing. Yeah, it was, we're gonna have an all black viewing. No, bitch. A white people created Black Panther. White people created Wakanda. White people produced put up the money for this movie. If it wasn't for white people, if it wasn't well, actually, we want to say this. If it wasn't for Captain America, we wouldn't have <laughs> Black Panther. I mean, because Captain America: Civil War right now is still the best Marvel movie out there, and that's where he, in- he was introduced. Exactly. Yeah. Now, hopefully, now will Black Panther uh, take his place? I don't know. I can't wait to see. Because well, right now, if I rank it, Captain America: Civil War, best Marvel. Movie. I mean, I mean, it's a re- it's a really good movie. Fight. Um, but my whole thing is uh, about that little uh, little rant is, um, you know, there's a, a lot of posts about black people wanting to essentially uh, take over the movie theaters and everything like that. You know, don't bother white people. We got this. We don't even come to the movie theater. You can get it on DVD or whatever. You know, you kind of get that sense. But I mean, if you want to really look at it, who made the movie? Like white people. Well, no, no, not not just white people. Like we're talking like the MCU, Disney, yeah. Marvel made the movie, right? Yeah. Like 
Do you think they care about one demographic seeing the movie? No. They, they, don't they made one. this to get money. They want everybody to see this movie. Exactly. And and it's and it's really kind of um that's like having a uh a Walmart, right? That uh you want to serve everybody, but you're having a protest outside. <laughs> you know, it's just like, wait, you know, these one guys aren't letting the other guys in. And it's uh, a, yeah, and, and uh, you know, we're not going to get that out where we are, but it's just like the hostility about something that literally has zero hostility in it. So, and I want to go and pull back. So, for people who don't remember, when Blade came out, uh, Wesley Snipes actually did a special for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he did a special for it, and he and it, it was it was a martial arts uh, centric special, and you know it showcased a lot of you know martial artists. Now, in this in this special that he did, he showcased he did showcase a lot of black martial artists, okay, um, in there because March, Wesley Snipe is a, a very big uh, martial artist, and uh, funny, I, you know, most people don't know. The reason he did Blade is because he wanted to actually do a Black Panther movie. He did not get the rights to make Black Panther, but they gave him the rights to to Blade, so that's what he made. And boom, that uh, started the big that started the actually big upswing for superhero movies as we see them today because of the success for of Blade. But in this martial arts in this martial arts special that he did, he didn't just showcase only black martial artists. It was mostly black martial artists, no wrong. But it wasn't only black martial artists because he also recognized that there it is diversity is a thing, right? The martial arts are not uh strictly a black thing. It's not even strictly an Asian thing at the anymore. It's not strictly a white thing or something like that. Martial arts has been something where, you know, one uh, and I could <laughs> shit. This could be a podcast in itself. Martial arts is this thing right now where everybody is welcome. Every people yeah. from all wakes of lives, all races, everyone is practicing martial arts. And yeah. when Char- when Wes and I did this this video or did this uh, special, he invited martial artists from all over, black, white, Asian, and so on. You know, and it sort of helped show that. Not only did he do Blade, and Blade is a black character and a black vampire hunter, and blah blah blah. This is something that can be enjoyed by everybody. It should be, but I mean, uh, yeah, we're definitely going to do a entire podcast on martial arts. We're going to do one on martial arts, and we're going to do a bl- a black pan. Matter of fact, we're going to do a Black Panther. Yeah, we we were planning to do a Black Panther special like we did with the Star Wars uh, yeah, review. Um, yeah, I think I think we'll probably make that a theme. Like with all the new MCU's or any movies that re- really we want to do, we could we could definitely do that. Um, no, we we are gonna do we it. are gonna do that. Oh, I'm sorry, um, but uh, <laughs> knife. <laughs> so. Um, I guess it's a good place to wrap yeah, it up. Yeah, I guess it is. I guess it is. Um, so, uh, everybody, um, I appreciate you guys coming out and seeing and listening to us again. Uh, if you have comments, by all means. No one, as a matter of fact, no one's commenting yet. I'm telling you right now, people, yeah. I, if you comment, I will engage with you. I do love uh, engaging with people. It, I love defending my points. I love challenging other points. I love, you know, stuff like that. So, if you have comments, leave comments below. Give us a like. And we will see you next time.